Off the ball on News Talk in association with the Air Sport app, allowing you to cast your favourite sporting action from your tablet or mobile phone straight to your TV. I'm delighted to say we've got Ken Belton on the line. Um, Ken, I wish we were speaking under slightly uh, more sporting circumstances. This is uh, really very much a sports story in that we're talking about Aaron Hernandez and the fact has been confirmed now that he did have severe CTE when he died at the age of 27. Um, For some people who are coming late to this story, maybe just explain to us a little bit about the uh, situation with regards to Hernandez and how they ended up finding out that he did have CTE. Sure. Uh, Aaron Hernandez uh, had a short uh, but celebrated career, I guess, three years with the New England Patriots as a tight end, Um, uh, left the team uh, or was released from the team after he was accused of murder of a friend in 2013 uh, and uh, actually was convicted and given a life sentence in that case. Uh, And when he uh, then was tried for another double murder but acquitted, uh, he uh, was back in jail in April and um, committed suicide. Uh, the uh, family, his family, uh, donated his brain to doctors at Boston University, who are kind of the leaders in determining whether players had CTE. And uh, yesterday, they released the results that showed he had severe uh, CTE. Uh, what was stunning to me was that he, he apparently the extent of the damage in his brain was the equivalent of somebody who might have been in their late 60s, uh, 40 years older than Aaron actually was. So uh, there's um, the extent of the damage in somebody in just their 20s was was quite remarkable. Um, Beyond that, uh, the science gets a little less definitive about causes of his behavior and whether the CTE uh, had that kind of impact and whether even more specifically whether football was in fact uh, a cause of some of his uh, off-field behavior, which was uh, in many cases atrocious and obviously this is not meant to excuse murder uh, or some of the other things he did. Uh, but it might explain why he might have acted erratically. I guess this is also part of that much bigger story about the other people who have been diagnosed with CTE. Uh, Obviously, as you've said, as yet, we don't have a a test that allows people to be tested for CTE while they're alive. So this is always post-mortem where the brain gets examined and these experts, particularly at uh, BU, are able to decipher exactly the level of damage that has happened. But it it does seem to be that there are many cases of families reporting that their father, it's generally a father who was playing uh, high-level sport, had had severe changes to their character in later years. I think, did Junior Seo also, did he Mm -hmm. have CTE after he also died by suicide? And it, it just adds up to this picture that CTE has got the potential to be involved in a very sinister way in the outcome of these people's lives. Yes, uh, I, I think the the leap from the symptoms that these folks exhibited before they died and an explanation or link to their actual behavior um, is, is still kind of tenuous. And I think what's happening, as you noted, is because the tests are all done posthumously, uh, and so we don't know that your dad or uncle or brother had CT while they're living, all you can do is go back and say, yeah, you know, he seemed to be forgetting a lot of things or, um, uh, you know, he had the impulse problems. He would yell a lot. And so you would find all these things out afterwards, but you couldn't actually examine the person who was going through it. And so that's one of the problems in trying to figure out the causes of, of uh, CTE. 
And the second problem is that the brains that have been studied thus far were donated by people who presumed or uh, perhaps uh, felt like their parents or uncles or brothers had CT. So there's a bit of a selection bias. Uh, we don't know, for instance, why you know somebody gets it when they're 80 and another person gets it while they're 20, while two people who play the same identical position uh, for the exact number of years, one gets CT and the other doesn't. We don't know what role genetics plays. There's still so much more research out there. Having said that, there are pretty consistent behaviors that are associated with it, including impulse control, depression, uh, forgetfulness, uh, including full-blown dementia. And it's also clear that Aaron Hernandez had some of those issues. Uh, so to put them together is a little dangerous, but to put them side by side uh, does uh, warrant uh, some comparison, yeah. Yeah, so no one is saying cause and effect is proven in these cases, but we're saying that there's a now a, a growing body of very interesting evidence that CT is very bad for people. It has a very negative impact on the end of life in particular of anybody who has it. And a lot of former footballers in particular seem to have it. Yes, the numbers are growing. Uh, when the research uh, first started um, coming out in the early parts of the 2000s, there was a case here, a case there. You could explain it away um, by socioeconomic conditions, um, you know, uh, maybe steroids, uh, drug use, um, a lot of complicating factors, obviously. Uh, but now they're up to 110, well, with Aaron Hernandez, 111 confirmed cases of former NFL players. You add to that um, college and high school players, and you get over 200. Uh, there was a, a number that I, a calculation I saw that said if you take the 110 players who have been found to have CTE over the about uh, now dozen so years that it's been studied, um, and you divide that number into the total number of ex NFL players who have died during that period, you'd come out with a number of about 9% uh, had been found to have CTE. That's a pretty high number. Uh, and it's certainly higher than you would assume in the general population. And, uh, of course, many players didn't donate their brains to science. So if you assume more of them did, you might get a number well over 10 or even 20%. So that's an alarming number. Uh, that suggests something in the order of an industrial disease, uh, black lung disease or something of that order. Um, and, uh, you know, if I were looking at uh, put it, playing my son in the football game, I'd have to look at that seriously. And I, I think that's certainly the the sort of existential crisis the NFL and football, American football more broadly, is having. So just to, to finish before we get to the existential crisis, to finish with the Hernandez situation, lawyers for Hernandez's estate or for his family or for his child are suing the Patriots in the NFL. What What is the exact situation there? Sorry. Yes, uh, you're actually correct in all three. It's his estate or his wife, uh, ex-wife, I guess, late wife or uh, his his wife uh, suing on behalf of his daughter for loss of income for the father uh, over his life, and they were asking for twenty million dollars, which was really just a, a round number to get attention. Uh, uh, any number that would be paid out would be paid either or decided by a jury uh, or in just some sort of settlement if the team and league uh, decide to do that with the family. Uh, so their basic argument is that the team. And the Patriots, the Patriots and the league knew about the dangers of repeated head hits and concussions and didn't do enough to protect Aaron Hernandez from that. Uh, it's a very long shot case, uh, uh, several reasons, uh, one of which is uh, just a legal statute that says 
while he's a player, anything he does is governed by the labor agreement with the union, uh, not the federal court system. Uh, that's been a very persuasive argument. Most of the courts don't want to get into um, you know, internal NFL debates. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second is really causation. How do you determine whether the concussion he received as a patriot uh, caused uh, his behavior versus a concussion he received in high school or even youth football or college? Uh, how is one concussion any different than maybe 10? Um, and so why, can't, why make the NFL responsible for behavior or, or accidents that happened long before he became an NFL player? That really is the second and probably biggest issue. And there's other more technical ones. Um, long story short, my impression is that this lawsuit is really a way to uh, bring the NFL to the table and hopefully reach some sort of financial settlement uh, that would you know, help his family in the long term. Uh, the NFL spokesman was on the phone earlier with reporters and basically said, we're going to fight this vigorously. And let's not forget that uh, he committed murder. Uh, anybody who tries to portray him as a victim uh, is misplaced. So that suggests the NFL is not going to try and reach a settlement with him, if uh, only to sort of hold their legal ground, but also not to open the door to even more settlements or potential settlements. Yeah, because the settlement situation is, is is very interesting. They've reached a tentative $765 million settlement over concussion-related brain injuries among the 18,000 retired players, which sounds like a huge number when you say it like that. But when you consider the profits that the NFL has made and will continue to make into the future, given the TV deals and the unstoppable juggernaut of their finances, it's not really that big a number for them. Yeah, if you divide it by 32 teams, that's the first thing. And then by the 65-year life of the settlement, uh, it comes out to uh, you know a million dollars a team uh, every, so, every so often. Uh, and these teams bring in hundreds of millions of dollars each. Uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they get a tax benefit uh, for making the contribution. So um, to the owners, it's it's really not um, uh, a lot of money. But I think their design, their theory was if they reach a settlement with retired players, uh, it'll try and make this issue go away in the long term. And the second thing is they get legal immunity from further lawsuits. So uh, they've required that all retired players take part in the settlement. So this legal, they're trying to close the book on these kinds of legal challenges. And I'm sure the NFL will also point to Aaron Hernandez and said, you know, uh, it, you know, he may be able to just take part in that settlement. You can't sue us when we've already reached a settlement with every retired player. So that'll be an additional hurdle they'll have to, to clear. What's the general sense of how the NFL are handling this at the minute? Because obviously that legal aspect you're, you're talking about where they're trying to close down as much as they possibly can. Like, you know, you talked about black lung. There are countless other examples in corporate history where it just doesn't really work to be able to close these things down. That ultimately, the weight of evidence and the numbers and the family stories and the journalism that goes on blows these stories open. Wouldn't they be better changing the sport? <laughs> well, they they argue, in fact, that they are. Uh, they you know somewhere in the order of uh, fifty different changes to the game rule rules and so forth, uh, moving the kickback uh, kick uh, point, uh, the kickoff point uh, back to allow receivers more time to get the ball and not be hit by defenders. Um, you know, rule changes like that, uh, forcing players to come off the field if they're suspected of having concussions, having spotters, people with binoculars looking for players who look wobbly and you know, should be taken off, and, and all sorts of other medical clearance rules. 
So they claim they are making the game safer uh, while also trying to fight these uh, legal battles. Uh, and, you know, again, they, it was a remarkable decision by the NFL uh, to come up with 700, well, originally 765, now it's potentially up more, about a billion dollars, uh, to make this problem go away. It showed to me the body language of that decision was that they're very afraid of this issue and don't want it to continue to drag through uh, every news story and every time a player gets concussed. Um, but I think they can't make it go away. I think the general public now now understands that concussions aren't uh, something you just laugh off and that uh, when a player is taken off the field, it is a moment to sort of reflect on yeah. the inherent violence of the game. We were chatting before we came on here here about the appetite for these stories and sometimes we do these stories and everybody who listens is really interested and sometimes we do these stories and everybody who listens is like, ah, oh, lads, shut up about the concussions, really, we've heard enough about it. But like we've been doing it now for such a long period of time that we're probably just going to continue to do it because we think that it's important enough and there are enough aspects to the story that need to be continuously evolved and uncovered. From your perspective, as somebody who's covered it as, as long and as, and as broadly as you have, what's the appetite amongst football fans in particular to recognise that there needs to be a pause, as you've just said, when that happens? Like, Are people happy that you're doing this story? Do they actually feel that you are improving the this, this sport? Well, it's interesting that you, you know, I suspect it's not much different in Ireland and other places where this conversation is going on publicly. Uh, there's There are people who now have sort of moved on from football um, and decided that it's just too brutal a game to either play themselves or to allow their children to play or even to watch in some cases. And uh, I would say they um, applaud the stories I write. Uh, the scientific community and the legal community certainly has a stake in these stories and seems to read them very closely. The NFL, for obvious reasons, is often on the defensive. Um, and there's a big schism, I think, in the general public about uh, the dangers of the sport. And um, I think also goes to an argument over personal responsibility. So uh, if I, a teenager or as a college player, know the risks, uh, I should be allowed to continue. Um, you know, I'm a coal miner. Uh, I know it's not particularly healthy to go underground and mine coal. But I also know I need a paycheck, and that's the uh, bargain I make with myself. And so that strain of logic goes through uh, a lot of uh, parts of American society and um, and even the legal community, the assumption of risk. And so um, I think there's a lot of people who say, hey, look, this fellow's compensated. Um, the science doesn't necessarily conclude he will get brain damage. Let him play. Uh, there's also, uh, you sort of alluded to, youth football and parents. Uh, allowing their kids to play in certain parts of America, particularly down in places like Texas, uh, parents see football as a way to educate their kids, uh, to teach them life lessons. Kids have to learn to fall off a bike uh, before they can ride properly and uh, fall down on the ice so you can learn how to skate. And the same goes in football. You need to uh, sort of toughen yourself up. And uh, to ignore that uh, is actually not good parenting. Um, I think the general public now has started to turn a little bit away from that, but I think there's definitely a significant group of parents who still feel that's very valid. Ken, it's great having you on. Thanks so much for explaining all that. Sure, my pleasure. It's uh, Ken Belton there of the New York Times giving us the very latest on the Aaron Hernandez uh, situation, uh, the revelation yesterday that he did have severe CTE when he died at the age of 27. You're listening to Off the Ball on uh, Friday night here on News Talk. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet the show at Off the Ball. You can follow us on facebook.com forward slash Off the Ball. We've got the crappy quiz coming up next. 
Off the ball on News Talk in association with the Air Sport app, allowing you to cast your favourite sporting action from your tablet or mobile phone straight to your TV.